Hey, it's Melissa. You know, a little help goes a long way when you're rebuilding your life after the death of your spouse. That's why we've put together some amazing free resources just for you. They're packed with guidance and the answers you've been looking for. So let's begin this journey of renewal together. Head over to widowsquad.com, click on freebies, and unlock these powerful tools. Your journey to a brighter future begins here. Now let's get back to the show. You are listening to the Widow Squad podcast, the show that helps widows create a fulfilling life after loss. Join hosts Jen Zwink, Kim Murray, and Melissa Pierce as they share expert tips, resources, and advice to help you get a grip on your grief and learn how to thrive. If you're a widow, this is where you want to be. Welcome back to the Widow Squad podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. We've got Jen Zwink, Kim Murray, and me, Melissa Pierce, your hosts of the Widow Squad podcast. So today we wanted to chat a little bit about, have you ever felt like a third or fifth or seventh wheel? You may have had a group of friends that you and your late partner hung out with and now it's just you and there's an odd number. Like, did you ever feel kind of like the odd person out? And if you did, what kinds of things did you do to remedy that? Or, you know, because it's really easy to feel like, well, I'm just not going to go do anything. I'm just going to stay home. Did you do anything to to remedy that? Or did you have experiences around that? Uh, Jen, maybe let's start with you. I have a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah. But if you are a widow, then I'm sure that you have experienced this. And if you are a new widow and you haven't experienced this, um, it is something that we all go through. It's a couple of different situations. Either you don't want to go and experience social events again, uh, because you already have this thought in your head that it's going to be awkward. You don't even leave the house yet. You know, you're, you're, dreading the situation you're dreading being out you feel alone before you even walk out the door um and of course it's just a thought right it's this is all mindset this is just you feeling that emptiness feeling that absence of your person it's not the it's not truth right it's not you just believe that you don't belong. And so you have this feeling before you even leave the house or you're already at a party, you're already in a social setting. And then that awkwardness starts to creep in. And then you look around and you see all of these other couples and, um, and then you really start to feel it and you start to feel insecure and you start to really notice it. So like I said, this happens to all of us. And what we do is when we have this thought in our head, we start to look for evidence to support that feeling, right? Um, you know, you're, you've already decided, you've made this decision that you are the odd man out. And so your brain wants to support you. It wants to tell you that you're right. And so, of course, you look around and you see all of these other couples and that just validates that feeling and it makes you feel, again, less like less like you belong anywhere. I know that that happened a lot for me. I experienced that with my close group of friends. Um, but the funny thing is I had started to 
um, make friends with different groups of people, right? Um, and different couples. I had an acquaintance that came into my life that was uh, not a really, really close friend, but she was just one of these angel people that stepped up into your life. And she started to invite me to all of these social events. And these were couples that I had never hung out with before. So they only knew me as widow Jen, you know, Mm -hmm. they only knew me as a single person without my partner. And for me to step into those social situations with those people that I did not have a past with, that was just a lot easier for me um, coming into that new group and just meeting a lot of, of new people, even though it was couples, it was, you know, three or four couples plus me. <laughs> so Right. It's kind of like it you're was, anonymous. Like you were just anonymous always just, mm-hmm. yes. And I, of course I was aware of it, you know, I'm, I'm always out with these couples, but at the same time, they just took me in and embraced me as just me you know, because they had never seen me with Brent before ever. And, um, and that made that, that easier, of course. But again, um, back to the mindset thing, because it really is, um, it's all in your own thoughts and it's all what you are feeling and what you are thinking about how you are being perceived. And a lot of times it's false. It Mm. is nobody's looking at you like that. You know, they're, they want to enjoy your company. They want to be around you and they're extending this invitation to you um, because they love you. So my thing is you can, you have two choices, right? You can either stay home, um, avoid the situation, which is definitely an option. If you are having a bad day, that's okay. You can always say no. Uh, What I found myself doing a lot is just doing it anyway. Feeling the awkwardness, feeling it, feeling the uncomfortable and doing it anyway. Because I would always ask myself, what is the alternative? What is it? I sit at home and I'm alone. So... That is not a good choice for me. I pushed myself many, many times, and I was always glad that I went. Yeah, That's probably the key, the, the <laughs> thoughts about it before you go are the worst than the actual experience of going. Mm-hmm. We do that to ourselves all the time. <laughs> yes. We? we do. So I, my advice to this is you're going to feel it. You will. At some point, you're going to feel awkward and out of place and uncomfortable. Uh, Most of the time in my situation, it wasn't just a third wheel or a fifth wheel situation. It was always when I had to go to parties, like the bigger parties, Um, especially, you know, um, like when all of my friends were turning 40 and literally every month it was like a 40th birthday party, a 40th birthday party, these big, massive parties, like the husband would throw the party for their wife. These are people I've known for 20 years. And of course I want to go, but it was party after party after party of me going by myself, you know, dressed up in a costume or whatever the event was. 
And that's when I really feel it was like in those big mm-hmm. party situations. Yeah. Um, but again, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get dressed up and I'm going to go and I'm going to have a good time. You know, get out there and drink and dance and have a great time. And I'm just, you know, I know, I know I am aware, very much aware that I am here by myself, but I'm doing it anyway. I'm going to feel uncomfortable walking in, but then I'm going to do it anyway. So I, I, I feel like we always have to push ourselves to do things. And I think it's important Mm -hmm. that we don't let that fear overtake us and stay home and miss out, you know? So did you find that it was there awkwardness or anything with your group of friends around you? Or did you sense that at all? No, no, it's all in my head. Okay. (laughs) And even if you sensed it, it was probably just all in your head. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think Uh, we've said before too, though, that we often think people think about us more than they actually think about us. So what we, you know, our world is our world. It's like all encompassing things that happen to us. We feel like everybody feels like we feel or Mm -hmm. thinks like we think or knows what we know and they don't. So the amount of times that we spend thinking about what other people think about us is too much because they're not thinking about us that way. They don't have, they're they're thinking about their own things, not our things, but we, you know, we're egocentric. So we like to believe that everybody's thinking about us when they're probably not as much as we think they are. So Cam, what did did you experience with uh, any third wheel thoughts? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, this is Kim Murray from the Widow Squad, and we've got something special in store for you. It's time to unlock a world of healing with our incredible gift just for you, the How to Have a Better Relationship with Grief Guide. Picture this, expert tips and practical strategies all bundled up in one comprehensive resource. It's like having a supportive friend by your side guiding you through the ups and downs of your healing journey. Now, here's the best part. It's absolutely free. Ready to dive in? Simply visit widowsquad.com backslash resources and your free guide awaits. It's time to transform your relationship with grief and discover the strength within you. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to take control of your healing process. Head over to widowsquad.com backslash resources and grab your free guide today. Well, interestingly, so right, like what you said, um, we all felt it. We all feel it. That's just a normal human reaction, right? So if you're alone in in a place, you're going to feel awkward because you do think people are looking at you and maybe feeling sorry for you. Maybe they are, but probably 90% aren't. But what's interesting is that was really nothing new for me because I was one of the last of my friends to get married in the first place. So I was single for a long time in my 20s, you know, my, my youth. So I often was a third or fifth wheel, even back then. So mm-hmm. it really wasn't anything new for me. I mean, I was feeling worse about it because my my spouse died. And that was, you know, the grief and the sadness. But if I really put it into perspective, it's like, well, that really wasn't much of anything new. Because I used to get upset or, I don't know, disappointed, whatever you want to call it, back then thinking, here I go again to another function as a single person in my 20s, whatever. So I think Mm -hmm. if you just kind of think back on it, it may not be the first time you're experiencing this. Mm -hmm. You may have had to go through this before, right? So again, those are the thought patterns you can choose to, you know, think about or change. So even back then, I had to find dates to go to weddings with or find dates to go to, you know, plus one events with. So 
anyway, so just thinking about that and putting it into perspective, it may not be the first time, but so I wasn't too, it wasn't like I felt the, the thing that was the most awkward for me wasn't being a third wheel or a fifth wheel. It was more like going by myself to places. So the thing that was the most um, awkward or uncomfortable for me were the sporting events I had to go to that my kids were in and sitting in that stand by myself. So I would call a friend who had boys similar to my son's ages that were playing in this, you know, the football games or whatever and say, are you going? And she'd say, yeah, I'm like, I'm just going to meet you there. I'm going to sit with you. And she'd be like, fine, no problem. So I would just, I would seek out the people that I knew were going to be, maybe be at those sporting events and just say, I know this sounds silly, but I just need you to wave to me or be with me or, you know, let me sit with you or whatever. There was one time I stood by the, the fence of the, the goalpost of the football field. I made myself stand there by myself for the duration of the game, just almost to prove that it wasn't going to kill me. <laughs> like I can do this, right? I can stand here and do this. So that was more of the, you know, being alone situation that made me uncomfortable. But the third and fifth wheel part uh, wasn't too, too bad, but I just decided early on too, that um, I was just going to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. So like you said, Jen, you don't have to go out if you don't want to. There's going to be times when you're like, I'm declining the invitation, but thanks anyway. Right. So, and that, you know, that premise that we always want to be invited. So please keep inviting us, but we may say no 50%, 75% of the time, but just keep inviting us. So my husband and I had tickets. We had season tickets to the Fisher theater here in Detroit. So we would go to see all the Broadway shows. We had like the season tickets give you maybe six or seven shows a, a year. That was a big date night for us. So when he died, you know, I had to make the decision. Do I continue going to the Fisher mm-hmm. Theater without him? Or do I just stop and cut it off? And that was our thing and be done with it. Well, I love the theater. I love the shows. So, and he had told me that he really, that was one of his wishes that he wishes that I still continue to go to the Fisher. So I said, okay, I'm going to do that. So I would just invite my friends. So I you know, had six or seven shows a year. I would keep a list of who I invited to which show so that I could rotate them. From, you know, from year to year. Yeah. Now, you know, interestingly now, some of those friends I don't really, I'm not friends with anymore, but whatever. We did that in the, you know, the first couple of years. So I still have the tickets. I still invite my girlfriends and we make that a fun night out. Now, you know, oh. I'm remarried and I have invited, you know, my current husband to go. He's not as um, happy about attending Broadway musicals as I am <laughs> and my girlfriends are. So if I can't find somebody to go with yeah. me. <laughs> You know, he'll jump in, but now it's a girl's night. What used to be a date night for my husband, now it's a girl's night out and we have a blast. So I just decided to keep doing that and invite people on my own. I think that when you invite people into your world, then they realize that even though you're grieving, you're still living and you're still able to go and do things. So I think by inviting people into your world, you give them permission to be with you, even though you're sad or even though you're grieving. And then they can understand a little bit more about how that works in your world. So I did that with the Fisher Theater. And then um, a year after my husband died, I decided to have a Halloween party at my house because two things. I love Halloween and I had a crap ton of decorations that I wanted to put up. And so I thought, well, how? but it's a lot of work, right? So, you know, after your spouse died, doing all the, the Christmas decorations, Halloween decorations, whatever, can be a little overwhelming. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to put all these decorations up, what what else can I do? Well, I can have a party. So I was like, I'm going to have a Halloween party because I love it so much. And I also wanted to then 
let people know that I was doing okay, as okay as you can do a year after your spouse dies, right? But I was doing okay and welcome them into my home to see that, again, yes, I'm struggling in certain areas. I'm still grieving the loss of my husband, but I can have a party too. And you guys can come and we can drink and have hors d'oeuvres and dance and sing. And I had a karaoke machine. So we sang songs on the karaoke machine and had a blast. I'm alone. I invited couples into my house. So I think I, there was one other friend that came with her other single friends. So the three of us, I think were the only single people in this room full of couples, but it gave my friends an opportunity to see that, okay, um, maybe it's not so uncomfortable being in Kim's presence, or maybe it's not Mm -hmm. so uncomfortable being in a party scene, you know, with her. So that was one of the best decisions I made. And people still talk about that party. That's how much fun we had. They still talk about that party. So then the next, however many years later, a couple of years later, I turned 50. I was turning 50 and I decided to throw myself a 50th birthday party. So I did. Same. Rented a hall, hired a DJ, got a caterer. And people came and we danced and we sang and we drank and we laughed and we had a blast. So that's my my advice is, you know, if you want to do something, invite people into your world because they're confused about what you're feeling. They're confused about how to act around you, confused about what to say around you, afraid they're going to say the wrong thing, invite them into your world. And then they can see that you are sad and you're grieving and you miss your spouse terribly, but we're still going on living because we're still alive. So we still have to do things and we still have to be invited to parties and go Mm -hmm. places and whatever. So that would be my, you know, my take on it that um, you don't have to go if you don't want to, but extend your own invitations and create your own parties. That's my advice. I have a burning question for you, Kim. Oh, what's the burning question? What is your karaoke song? (laughs) Oh, I don't even have a karaoke song. Actually, you know what? So I don't have a specific karaoke song, but if I drink enough, I can belt out some significant Bonnie Raitt oh, Nice. Okay. Now I'm not sure she's karaoke necessarily. Oh yeah. Song right, but yeah, I, I have been known to do a, <laughs> a Bonnie Raitt or two. So. All right. Oh, you've got awesome. something to talk about, don't you? Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. So Melissa, you, what are it. your, what are your thoughts what are your experiences with third wheels fifth wheels feeling alone all the things it was interesting um so dave and i had two other couples and one of them had kids one couple did not and then we had kids but we would just do everything together we would plan summer trips we would hang out we would just we really enjoyed each other's company And um, when he died, I thought that that was going to change. I I was really concerned about that changing, but it didn't, you know, it was, I was the fifth member of this group now. And maybe because they were, I was kind of the connection. I was, they were, I was friends with them before, but I never, I was concerned about that, but never, they never, they didn't do their own thing and not invite me or anything like that. And when I was with them, it was weird. I mean, I did feel kind of weird sometimes, but I was really thankful that that didn't, didn't change because, because we had done that. That was a huge part of our social life was hanging out with, with the crew. Um, They have, those couples have since divorced, (laughs) but um, that is what it is. But, and I'm still good friends with, with them all. 
I just, I don't know if you, if you had this feeling before, but I felt, gosh, even like for, from, for about a year or so, I felt very exposed. I felt Mm -hmm. very um, like a snail without a shell, you know, like I just didn't feel like I had protection or like people were looking at me or like I was having these thoughts, you know, whether they were true or not, whether people were looking at me, I don't know. So again, the sporting events, going to my kids' stuff alone, um, I'd always try to make contact going into the auditorium with the eye contact with somebody so I could be like, hey, Someone. can I sit with you? Yeah. That's right. You got to find that face, that friendly face. You're like, it's like a radar. Yeah. Yeah. that too. Yeah. So it was just such a strange feeling because I've always been pretty social and like to have people around me. And there was times when it's like, I just did not want anybody around me. I just kind of wanted to sit in the corner at the top of the the bleachers. Um, and not talk to anybody and all that stuff. So it was just a very strange experience for me. I did tend to kind of isolate myself sometimes. I did kind of go down that rabbit hole of like, you know, nobody's calling me to, you know, hang out as much as they used to. And I was pretty busy with the kids. But um, so I did, particularly on weekends, I would kind of isolate myself. And and I didn't, like Sundays were horrible. I hated Sundays. Because that was the day that uh, like Dave and I would read the, read the paper and drink coffee and, you know, run around and do errands and stuff. And so I decided just to reach out for help, you know, like reach out. So I just asked my brother, it's like, hey, I hate Sundays. What can we do about this? And so we did like a, a dinner thing. So every other weekend, like I would go, myself and the boys would go to their house for dinner or they would come to my house. So it was kind of a way of getting more people around me when I felt like I was kind of isolating myself. But uh, I just, uh, I had some friends too that asked me to go shopping and I tried it and I hate shopping, but it was nice. You know, they included me, but I felt kind of like an odd man out there because they loved shopping. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I've always hated shopping. Always that's hated a good, this. That's a good point too. Like you asked your brother for help and mm-hmm. then you decided to do the dinners, but you know, you don't have to go do things you don't want to do just in the name of, you know, not being alone. Right. 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 And I mean, yeah. even now I isolate myself now. There are times when I do not want to participate in events with friends mm-hmm. or couples or parties or whatever. And you decide on a case by case basis, how you're feeling and what, you know, what you need at that time. Sometimes you need it, sometimes you don't, but you know, I think that's a good point. You don't have to just go do stuff because it's so you're not alone. You still get to decide. Yeah. You still yeah. Get to decide. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it was a good lesson. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, it was very kind. This you know, lunch was great. Shopping, not so much. You know, I'll do the lunch part, but <laughs> you guys go do yeah. the shop thing. So yeah, I don't know. It just uh I had an angel person too that I thought was the universe just sent this person to me. We had uh, the boys and I had moved away six months after Dave died. So I was kind of anonymous and I really liked it. I did not like people in our small community that we were from, like always I'd bump into people in the grocery store and, you know, like, oh, how you doing? I mean, like, um, I just want to buy some milk, you know? So I didn't, mm-hmm. I liked that kind of anonymous feeling. And so I'd walk the track as my kids were at soccer practice. So, so there was like a track around it. So I would just walk, walk, walk. And I got to know um, this really good friend of mine. She didn't know me from anybody, but she, she was in it. She just let me talk and talk and talk and process. And we just walk miles around the track. And she was like, <laughs> such a lovely person and I'm just so thankful for her and to have yeah. friends like that, that awesome. let you to let mm-hmm. you talk and and as much as you need to yeah 
is amazing. Yeah. And she didn't know me. She knew my story, you know, but she didn't know me at all. Well, sometimes it's easier to talk to people you don't know about your story. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's there's no preconceived notions. There's nobody telling you what you should do or what they would do in your, they're just listening. I think she was an angel. She must have been an angel. She totally is. And she knows she, she, she's good at the grief speak. She knows, she knows that. So um, I was really grateful for her. And, uh, I don't know, you guys may have done some personality tests like the Myers-Briggs. So I'm more extroverted or I, when I take the test, but I think this experience has made me a little more to introverted. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I've moved the needle from extroversion to, I'm still an extrovert, you know, when I take the test, but I think I'm just more not isolating myself, but I just feel like I'm okay with being alone or I'm okay with spending time with myself. I need that time to kind of re-energize mm-hmm. um, by myself. And so I was not like that really before. I think that's, before a, I agree with you. I, yeah. I agree like too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I was more extroverted. I did take the Myers-Briggs again and I am on the introverted side now, which shocked really? me. Yeah. Really? Shocked mm. me. But, but, in, but to your point, we decide when we need to have that alone time. And I definitely need to have the alone time too, because, you know, you just have to regroup or whatever. But I think we also, whether this is a good or bad thing, become a little more cautious about who we expend our energy with Mm because it's very limited. And when you're grieving, your energy is, you know, is it's hard to manage the good and the bad energy until you figure it out that you get to choose. You get to choose. So when you decide to have that alone time and just regroup, it's that can be a big deal. I mean, I definitely feel better when I've had, and this is why I walk so much. We've talked about this before, but this is why I walk so much. That is my alone time. It's also my exercise, but it's just my time to be processing whatever I need to process in my brain outside in the fresh air, moving my body. Right. So those times are precious to me. And I don't, I used to walk with other people. I used to always call my friends and and now I, now I barely ask anybody Mm -hmm. to walk with me because I love walking by myself so much that I don't even ask anybody anymore. So it's weird how that happens. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a big shift. But again, like the points here are awesome because you get to choose how you feel, who you spend time with, um, your thoughts. Like whether you feel like a third wheel or a fifth wheel or seventh wheel, whatever, um, you can change that situation for yourself. You can change how you feel about that and you can do things and take action, Um, whether it's asking for help, asking people to hang out or maybe not hang out or choosing your activities. You know, it's it's really it's the balls in your court and you you have the ability to to make those choices. All right. Yes. Always fun because something comes up and you're like, we, you know, the growth part, let me just end on this too. The growth part of what you experience going through this is phenomenal, Mm -hmm. but you don't know it until you've been down the road and can look back. So because we're in the place that we're in now looking back, we can see how much we've grown and how much we've changed. And there were some rough roads. Okay. So we're not going to sugarcoat that, obviously. But looking back, you can go, okay, yeah, maybe I did change a little bit from extroverted to introverted. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a result of this, a result of figuring this out about myself, or you guys figuring out things about yourself. So it's all good and it's all okay. We just need that space 
whether it's years or miles, I don't know how you would want to measure it, that space to be able to look back and see where we've, what we know where we came from. Yeah, you can connect oh, the dots by looking, the dots. looking back. We hope that this episode of the Widow Squad podcast has left you feeling supported, encouraged, and empowered. Remember, you're not alone, and there is a community of widows ready to welcome you into the Widow Squad membership. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, take care of yourself.